answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you're with us this um, weekend day or whenever you're listening to us as we're talking about Financial Matters, both myself and my co-host. We are both uh, financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with uh, helping people like yourself get their financial lives in order. And we spend our weekends uh, where we broadcast this. On the weekends. So what happens is if you call our show... Um, they, you, we will take your name and number. And if you want to join us on the show, they actually call you back and say, Hey, uh, we schedule callers, we'll schedule a call. And that's how we get these calls. And we on. like doing, we, frankly, we love the call in format because, uh, one, it gives us, it gives us a place where we can come and answer questions to people. And clearly we have, um, no dog in the fight, right? There's. We, we have an opinion of, as to the value of financial planning, but we're not... We're not trying to sell anybody. Yeah, we're, we're not, not trying to sell anyone on our services. We're just providing yeah. advice. At but if you wanted to use our services, it's allworthfinancial.com. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get any better. Trust me on that. But. <laughs> allworthfinancial.com. <laughs> okay. But you're not, we're not going to try to sell you on our services if you call the show. But this way, we can come in during the week and we actually tape the show. Right. After doing it live on the weekends for 23... Three but years? the point is, um, call the show eight three three ninety. We're hap- happy to handle um, any financial question and think of us as another resource. If someone's trying to recommend a product to you, like it's um, the financial. It was Pat, as you like to say, if we, if the financial, what do you say about that? Yeah, if the financial services industry was the food industry, most of America would be dead <laughs> because it is just filled it's with. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's just filled with so many garbage products and terrible advice. And um, to give you an example, uh, bike riding with a friend of mine, and he invited another couple that were friends, and we're on a 30-mile bike ride, and we stopped for lunch because it's all part of the bike riding experience, social. And we're at lunch, and she said, uh, what do you do, Pan? And she goes, look, I've, I, my friend's wanting me to invest in this. What do you think? And I'm like, what is it? And she goes, I'm not sure, but the account minimum is 250000 And I, I said, pull up their website. She pulls up the website and it says, Second Deeds of Trust. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Second Deeds of Trust. And the friend that in... Which are essentially second loans on People homes. that can't... Get yeah. a loan some, somewhere else. Somewhere else. That, <laughs> and she's like, so my friend's really encouraging me to put 250000 in. I haven't heard anyone recommend those in years. So I said to her, not a chance. Don't, do not do this. Don't do this. But because it was coming from a friend of hers that was making the recommendation and she couldn't tell good from bad. Oh, I know. She just couldn't tell. Look, that's why, but I guarantee you the person selling the deeds of trust was getting some sort of commission. No, there's no question. It's so important to work with a fiduciary, someone who has a legal obligation not just a desire, but a legal obligation to put your interest ahead of them their own. And you want something, if you purchase something, you want it to be able to price every day. You want to know what it's worth, and you want to know that you can get out of it without At any penalty. Time. Without Look. penalty. At any time. At any time. If the investment product that you're being recommended doesn't allow you to go to cash... And look, Wall Street's brilliant about packaging things up and putting yeah. them in little small pieces and allowing people to invest in them. So the question is, if it's not available that way, then why is it? And what incentive does this person have in recommending that to you? Yeah. The second deeds of trust, 
I mean, let's say you invested in 10 of them and one goes south on you. There's your whole return for a few All years. Of right? All of it. All of it. So anyway, it's, it's, we are um, adamant, you'd say probably hyper sensitive to the, how difficult it is for the average oh, American know. to get good advice. And we're not the only firm in America, obviously, that gives good advice. But it's hard to, to tell good from bad. And I think it's really, really important that the consumer be able to tell good from bad. But there's a couple of the barriers that you look at. What's the educational background of the person or organization, the people in the organization you're working with? What's their... What's the structure of the compensation? That's a huge issue right yeah. there. And then if they're fee-based and have zero, zero incentive to recommend one product over another. I mean, our advisors, whether they recommend government bonds or some individual stock to somebody or anywhere in between, their compensation does not change one iota. It's the same. So, so they're not incentivized to sell you something. All right. they want to do is help you out. If you'd like to there's join the show. There's a lot of other firms like that. If you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And let's go to talk with Jeffrey in the beautiful state of uh, Minnesota. Hello, guys. How Hi, are Jeffrey. you Jeffrey. Good. Uh, so my question is, uh, I was recently laid off and am actively looking for a new job, but... Uh, Unfortunately, my savings wasn't uh, ready for a layoff, so I'm kind of short on cash right now. But I have four hundred thousand in uh, my four hundred one k, and I'm wondering if I can't take some of that out, pay off the rest of my mortgage, which is at seventy thousand, and then when I do get my new job, just increase my payments into 401k to make up. How old are you, Jeffrey? 52. And are you married? Yes. You have kids in the house? Are still responsible for some we're, some way? We're raising our granddaughters who are five. Are they twins? Yeah. Wow. Congrats. I'm sure now I'm sure there's a blessing uh probably wasn't what your plan was but I'm sure you're quite blessed by having him. Um no. You should not uh take the money from your 401k to pay off. Your yeah, mortgage. the challenge is so you've got a short-term problem and it's it's mm -hmm. probably it's a little scary right now, right? It's a yeah. uh, the job market is <laughs> so strange. Um uh it was was your layoff covid related? Yes. Okay. So um, so you you receive some sort of a government subsidy, uh, severance, something along those lines? Unemployment? Uh, I, I applied for unemployment. and uh, How much money do you have in the bank? Um, we have Nothing. about 15000 Okay. And your wife, did, does she work outside the home? Yes. She's a secretary at the elementary school. Okay, and does she have a 403B or a 457 or a 401K? Yes, she does. And how much is that balance, you know? Uh, I think it's about 50000 Okay. I and I'm thinking, I would rather see you take a bit of a hardship withdrawal for a couple months worth of income from the 401K. You can't, though. He's separated from service. Under the COVID, he was impacted by COVID. You could take out up to $100,000. I thought you had to be employed to do that. Am I wrong? The IRAs. You could oh, take that's money right. out. Oh, got it, yeah. got it, got it, got it, got it. Why wouldn't you just borrow money from the uh, the wife's uh, 403B? And that way you could pay it back. Well, that's even a better idea. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Your wife, so you're, you're, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Here's our challenge, and here's why we don't like the idea of you pay, taking the money out of the 401k. A couple reasons. For the most important reason is these dollars, you're gonna, there's going to be a day in your life when either you don't want to work or you can't work anymore physically, or right? I mean, there's, that's reality. So you need to have money there when that day arrives. So taking money out of a 401k for a short-term fix 
is going to be a, the cost to your retirement. We could run in all the numbers, but it would be detrimental. But secondly, is the taxation. This is a year when you've got your severance. You probably eventually have some unemployment, hopefully before the, the year's up. Uh, and then adding this income on top is going to be, you're going to be taxed at a higher tax rate. So it might take mm. you, uh, if your mortgage is 70,000, it might take you 105, 115,000. So that's why initially we said, don't worry about paying off the mortgage. That is a long-term uh, debt. And you're trying to pay it off in a short term that that may or may not help your overall economic system. Again, I get, not, I understand not, your not, stress right yeah, now. Yeah, not we're not worried about Jeff in next year or the year after. We're worried about Jeff when he's sixty five and seventy and seventy five. So, um, what is the rule, Scott, regarding the uh, the, the? Do you remember they, they got up to a hundred thousand? But you cannot repay it back, or you can repay it back <laughs> up to three years to pay it back. So, but if you take a, if you borrow some money from your wife's 403B, what, what kind of industry were you in? Um, contract manufacturing, electronics, software. And, and do you think you'll go back when? Year? Six months? Do you have any idea? Um, hopefully within a month. Okay. Okay. So, so, yeah. so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do a thing. Okay. I wouldn't. And do if you say I feel I would, I need. A, I'd like another ten grand or something in the bank to feel more. Com com borrow from your wife's four hundred three b. It's the easiest to borrow from. And you can pay it right back. And you once can, you get a job. Yeah, and you can pay it back out of her paycheck. That's the easiest okay. place to go to. Um, and then the seventy thousand dollar mortgage. When you go back to work, um, you could talk about it then about paying it down, but I wouldn't, you yeah. know, I'd probably pay it down over the next, you know, five, 10 years. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't go into the 401k, take it all out, pay taxes on it and then pay down the mortgage. Um, okay. So, and I know the stress, if that was a way you'd be better off, but financially it's not good for you. Though. So if you need money right now, use the money in the bank, then go to the wife's uh, 403B at the school district. Then, Go tap into that retirement and savings. then tap into the retirement savings with the idea of paying it back over the next three years. All okay. All righty. Hey, glad Thanks, you called, Jeff. Thanks. And good luck in getting a oh, job. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, no, thank you. by the way, when uh, have you adopted these children? Uh, we're legal guardians, but not okay. adopted. All right. Just remember that when uh, you go to apply for Social Security, depending upon their age and when you take Social Security, they may be eligible. Uh, for some benefits under your social security, depending upon their age, time you start. Just yep. remember that. We, and the reason I mention that is we see lots and lots and lots of grandparents. I shouldn't say lots. We see lots of people in their 60s that have are raising nieces, nephews, or grandchildren, or even their own. And uh, they oftentimes forget that uh, if they're on social security, a child under 18 is also Mick, eligible. Mick, Mick Jagger's kids are probably collecting social security. I wonder if Donald Trump's son is getting Social Security benefits. Donald, I bet he is. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> well, would you, I wouldn't blame him. He must be, because if you are, because I'm sure Donald Trump's on Social Security, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and if you've got a minor dependent then? child, a minor child, they you wonder why the Social Security Trust Fund is getting... <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't matter how much money the, the parents make. <laughs> no, of course not. For, the kids get money. Yeah, Baron. That's how he dresses so nice, that Baron. I don't know why that is a, that's a weirdest rule. It is, there's no means testing at all. Well, the fact that, why, why is the kid, just because someone's on Social Security benefits, why, is the, why do their kids automatically qualify? It kind of encourages old people to have children. Or to go find a, a single uh, uh, young wife and adopt the kids. There it is. This is social engineering. That's a, a, someone who's broke in retirement. We could show a 70-year-old broke man how to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. I want you to marry a 35-year-old with two kids under the age of six. Or the more kids, the better. Get the max, maximum family benefit out of it. I think we've taken this a little too far. I think we have, far. too, yes. We are obviously totally joking in this area. It's just um, it's one of these kind of... Bizarre where those things are. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, continue on calls here at All Worth's Money Matters. We're in Colorado talking with Tristan. Tristan, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. 
Awesome. So I had a, a couple of questions. Um, the primary one that I wanted to ask you guys about was restricted stock units. Mm-hmm. Um, I received a grant um, back in April of this year for um, 60 restricted stock units for uh, company stock. And my question, and then I received a second grant uh, here last month for an additional 39 uh, restricted stock uh, units. Um, so I'm just really curious. I don't uh, have any understanding or knowledge about restricted stock units apart from what I've read. And my main question is about the taxation on those and uh, when it's due and um, you know how I, you go about paying that uh, on these when, when these vest. Yeah, and restricted stocks, RSUs, they're called now. It's it's pretty. Um, it's a modern day. Um, uh, the, of stock stock options stock options Which, or some companies will call them management incentive plans or equity incentive plans but that's essentially uh, they're all of the same family is your is the company you work for a publicly traded company or no yes it is and what are the dates uh do these have expiration dates on them um so there's a vesting schedule so the first grant uh of the the first 60 that I received um, the first 20, so it vests 20 shares over the next three years. Okay, thank you. Uh, yep. So three year, um, three year yep. vesting. Yep. Yep. So, so the, as the name implies, restricted, <laughs> the restrictions are designed by the company and it's gonna be part of the plan document when they've come up with these restricted. So they all work slightly differently. The vast majority mm-hmm. of time, there's no taxation until you uh, exercise your right and sell these stocks. And at that point in time, if as long as you've had it for more than a year, it's long-term capital gain. As long as you've had the RSU for more the than RSU. a year. RSU. For more than a year. Yeah. Okay. So I only, I'm only liable to pay any taxes on these grants uh, when I, or if I indeed sell them. If you, if you indeed sell them at a profit above okay. and beyond the, their uh, issued value. Okay. So the other question I have as a follow-up to that, so um, my account is saying, you know, showing potential value. So is the price determined uh, at the time of the grant uh, or at the time that it's vested? At the time of the grant. Nine, well, I haven't well, seen any. Well, the strike price is determined at the time of the grant. Yes. But not okay. the sales price. So, That's right. based upon the market. So the, the, that, that, correct. So it's like the purchase price. So essentially, in reality, is it the company has purchased these stocks on my behalf at the whatever the strike price is at that time, and then they essentially issue them. Probably to me not. No, they uh, no, they probably just treasury stock. It's probably uh, this. I mean, these are all <laughs> set up differently, but it, it, odds mm-hmm. are it's just an accounting mechanism that they're using to incentivize okay. you. It's probably more of actually an interest in the earnings of the company and the way they structure that's called an RSU. Yeah. So what was the the, the strike price, the, the price they gave you should be very close, if not identical, to where the stock was trading on the date they were issued. Is that the case? Okay. Yes. Okay. So that is the strike price. Anything above that... Uh, is where you're going to be what they call in the money. Okay. So essentially, if the the price of the stock in, continues to increase as it has, yes, uh, between between when I was granted the the stocks and when they actually vest, I will I will see all of that gain. That's correct. All of that. that is the whole um, s- the idea behind okay. the incentive of these, and that's what can work in your favor. Okay, and but I'm only I'm only due taxes when and if I sell those. You stocks. when there's a triggering event on that, yes. Yeah. Awesome. So the second question I have is that we do have an employee stock purchase plan, um, and um, I'm just curious what you guys' advice would be uh, in terms of uh, investing in that, uh, doing you know payroll deductions to. Is there, do they give you uh, a discount? Yes, so they have. I'm not, um, you know, fully understanding of you know, you know, when you know we have you know the buying period, and then we have you know 
mm-hmm. the build, and then we have the you know when they actually you know put that into your account. Um, but it is whatever the you know the best price. Okay. Um, the, for the that better quarter or that six months, whatever. Period. Yeah. Yes, and then and then we get a fifteen percent discount on whatever that best price. Oh, so okay. you get fifteen percent of the whatever the best price is for that previous quarter. And can you when can yes. you sell the stock? And if you do sell the stock, are you are you prohibited from participating in the next round if you do sell the stock? No. Okay. I'm not. And not can you set up? So can just, you do like an auto sale program? I, I've seen people where they can literally sign up for these company uh, stock purchase programs, get this discount, mm-hmm. and sell. And every whether it's a quarter or six months or a year, automatically sell the stock right afterwards. With a, they take no market risk. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's a guaranteed fifteen percent return the way it's structured. Yeah, and I've seen people do it where they hold them for a year and then take those shares and gift them to charities because they're uh, it's a way that they can constantly give to a charity. So the answer to the From question, a highly tax efficient basis. Correct. So the answer to the question is yes, you should participate given that you have the liquidity to do so, and that you understand the restrictions going in and out and the risk, but. Um, for most, we have never, almost every time that you see a 15% discount and you feel bullish on the company itself, you would participate in that. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, but just I don't, don't, just, you got to make sure that, how old are you? 41. Okay. So here's, you know, us financial advisor types, we always talk about diversification, right? Diversification, diversify, mm-hmm. diversify. Diversification is great at minimizing risk. Diversification is highly important at retirement time. Yep. And it's important for those dollars that you can't afford to lose. But if you, let's say, you worked for Apple for the last 30 years, and every time your Apple stock was more than 4% of your portfolio, you decide to sell it to be diversified, you would look like the f- biggest fool walking around campus there, <laughs> right? That or, round campus yeah, or that's Google, empty. Right? Yeah, or Google or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So when you're younger, you can afford to take on some risk, particularly if you're with some company you've got, you're feeling pretty confident about. But then the older you get, the more you need to say, hey, there needs to be a big chunk of my uh, net worth that is diversified away from this company because you never know what can happen. Right. That could be some strange finan- financial um, accounting scandal that's happened. WorldCom. What's the latest? That wire card. Wire. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Huge international company. Yeah, it's yeah. not much here in the U.S. Payments, yeah. big payments company. So there. I mean. So as you th- as you think about that, you're you, you want to make sure that you're in a position so that if the company doesn't do performs poorly, you're not going to be in the. In the doghouse. And, and, and Jeffrey, we assume you've covered the basics, like you put the maximum to the match in the 401k. We, we, that's an assumption yeah. that we just made off the, the bat. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, buy these in the RSUs. I wouldn't get too excited about the RSUs. There's not that much there. It's 100 shares. Um, you know, mm-hmm. track it. It's not gonna. It's not life-changing. It's nice that they gave them to you, but um, I, I, I can't imagine that you could get super excited about 60 RSUs. Yeah, I mean, well, there's... Um, ninety nine right now because I I got a second grant. Uh, yeah, bonus, correct, correct. Unless the stock's uh, trading so, for the hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, yeah, the value is about the the total potential benefit value is about twenty five thousand dollars right oh, now. So that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Anyway, so uh, we like uh, both those. Yeah. Like both those. So awesome. All Thank right. you so much, guys. I, I really appreciate. All right, the, glad the you called, Tristan. It, it's interesting, Pat. There. Uh, I think there's almost a bit of a new wave for some companies offering some sort of strict, but it's, it's different. Back in the, like think back in the nineties, uh, the stock options were all, all the rage. You work for a tech company. They all had all these different stock options. Yes. Um, widely distributed to every employee would get stock options, every one of them. And that's really changed um, over the years. I don't know if it's the fact that companies think maybe it doesn't influence behavior if, Someone's job is to work in the mail room and they open mail all day long. Are they, are they going to open mail faster? I, I, they I mean, <laughs> and I'm just picking out a certain kind of um, yeah. repeatable job type thing. But yeah. Anyway, good for him. Good for him. By the way, there's, I don't know if there's many mail rooms and companies left. It's the email room. They work in the email room. <laughs> <laughs> 
I saw Elf. They had the mailroom at Elf. Oh, one of my favorite movies. It's about that time. I hate to say oh, it. Oh, one of my favorite. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? All through the holidays. That's how I answered the phone when my kids call. What? Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? When he was, when, when the Elf was visiting his dad in the office and his dad left the office for a minute, the phone rang. Buddy the Elf picked up the phone and said, Buddy the Elf, <laughs> what's your favorite color? That's your little bonding thing with your kids. That's a Christmas time. That's fine. Yeah. It is. You see the. You know it's them. It's Tommy. Hey, buddy, the elf here. What's your favorite color? That's how he says it. Anyway, great movie. Classic. It'll go down as a classic. Oh, there's no question. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you know how many bad movies are produced for everyone like, like that? <laughs> like Why that? is that? I don't know. But most of the Christmas movies are downright painful. Yeah. There's a good one every once in a while. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take some more calls. So if you'd like to be part of Allworth's Money Matters, 833-99-WORTH is the contact number. Again, that's 833-99-WORTH. This is Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth's Money Matters, and we'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McClain. Thanks for uh, sticking with us. And uh, I do have a favor to ask. If you are listening to this in a podcast. You're going to ask me of a favor. Not you. I'm asking the listeners. If you're listening to this in a podcast forum, would you be so kind as to go to, if your particular podcast has a rating mechanism, would you be so kind as to rate us? Um, the higher our ratings, and I'm assuming that if you're listening and you're halfway through the show that you might have a slight interest in it and you might like it, that's my hope, that you would rate us and or... Review sh- us, you mean? Review us and share it with a friend if you are so inclined. Uh, I saw an article about... Uh, health savings accounts. Only 6% of account holders invest the savings in their savings account. So most of them are just in bank accounts. Yeah, that's, that's actually higher than I thought it was. 6% of account holders. Okay. If you have a, a, a savings, health savings account, think of it like another IRA. Because for a family, next year you can, you'll be able to put in $7,200 into it. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to spend it. You can pay for the co-pays for your health insurance out of pocket. That's what I do. That's not what I do. I've I personally have invested, our family, as soon as the HSA was the plan that our employer put in place, actually, we have a couple different options. The option I chose, the health savings account, uh, I've put the maximum in for my family and I've not taken a dime out. And it's invested and you invest what in the S and P five hundred? Yeah, I've got a couple market? index funds in there, and it's probably I invest, and I frankly I invest it for the long term because my plan is not to spend those until my until I'm forced to. So you can because it's tax deferred and it comes out tax free. If you leave it there till you're sixty five, uh, it's tax free. They might change that, but it's essentially. So the idea behind this is that it's set up. So that it is to use the co-pays, but you don't have to use it. So you could actually invest it in the portfolio and let it run. And think of it like a retirement account. Yeah, and I think it's the right thing to do, Scott. I agree with you. If um, I was a, uh, I was going to say a this ben- is a classic. I know where you're going. This uh, is a classic. My 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 wife. Uh, I explained it. She's an accountant. Very very smart lady. She. <laughs> Likes paying for it out of that account. And I'm like, well, we, we there's some tax benefit in doing it's this. It's no different than using an IRA to pay your medical bills. That's you right. That? No, I understand that. I understand that. I do understand it. But <laughs> your 401k. Yeah. And so in the scheme of marriage. No, I get it. It's but not, it's an interesting story because if you think about this, here's Pat McLean, been a financial advisor for three decades. Uh, your wife's an accountant by training and she spent the majority of her last 25 years raising children. Yes. Um, but this is her preferred way of doing it. And, and it kind of comes down to behavioral finance things, right? She's not going to change. 
This, people say, I just feel comfortable having $40,000 in my, in my checking account. That's what my comfort thing. Okay. All right. I, if it's a minor thing in the overall scheme of things, who you, cares? I let it go. But I think for a lot of people, health savings account could be. A, a, as long a, as it doesn't ruin your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> How come you got divorced? I told her, look, one more, one more medical bill paid from that HSA and it's over. I'm out. <laughs> 34 years comes down to a tax deferred IRA. All right. <laughs> As Pat, Pat's been threatening to move to Nevada for years because the taxes are so much cheaper. And there was, they almost raised the taxes in California at the top rate of 16.8. Pat's like, that's it. And his wife is adamant that she doesn't want to move. And I said, well, your choice, either 16.8% to California or 50% to Kathy. Those are the options right there. Right there. So I, I measured the 33% spread. <laughs> Decided to st stay in she's California. She's worth it, 33%. She's worth it. Not 30, 33% spread. All right, let's take some calls here. 833-99-WORTH. Let's talk with Benjamin. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for joining I have us. A, I have a situation where um, a friend, a close friend of mine, is telling me that she wants to, and I'm not sure I should mention this person's name on your show. Well, maybe not then. <laughs> You're right. Um, into something that is a whole life. Oh, oh, you're not going to mention your friend's name, correct? No. You're going to mention the name no, of the person that's selling it? Yes. Go ahead. If, if, if that's okay with you. Sure. Well, she has gone head over heels over somebody named Chris Noggle. I don't know who he is. Never heard of the man. But let's okay. talk about what the product is, and we will not uh, either encourage or discourage um, okay. Chris's what he's doing for a living. So we're not going to disparage right. him. We might in any way. We wanted him. We won't disparage right. him, but tell us about how this whole life works. Um, allegedly she is going to, um, invest about $200,000. And he is saying that the return is 10 to 12%. Okay. She is leading into saying she's going to get a return of $3,500 a month on that money. The research that I've done appears to me that we're not using the word annuity, but that sounds like where it, what it is. Uh, kind of. So if they're actually using whole life or variable life rather than annuity, what they're talking about is how you put your money in there and that grows tax deferred, but you could draw your basis out, which is because tax law around life insurance goes in FIFO, which is first in first out versus LIFO, which is your earnings first. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a penny into this, not a penny, not penny one. Did they talk about the 15 year surrender charge? They talk about the high commissions to the broker. Was any of that brought up? Well, it, I think it's being, uh, it, those things are not being said to me Okay. because yeah. So here's what She's your friend wants to do. I mean, that's, that's 42,000. I actually had to use the calculator because oh, it, it, it just it's, seemed too. Yeah, like, it's 21% a year. I mean, there's, there's always that kind of saying, like if you're. It's 21% a year is what the numbers that they just said. $42,000 a year is, is your friend? 200 grand. In her mid fifties. Okay, okay. So if she was in her mid nineties, then you could say, yeah, it's a life annuity she bought from someone. Uh, what, 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 what they're selling, you're a hundred percent right. So what you want to do is you ask for a sample contract and take and Google the person's name or the life insurance name, and then write complaints, scams around that name and see if there's anything that comes up. There may or okay. may not be. There may or may not be. I do not know the man you spoke of, but I know how these life insurance policies are sold. And what they're sold is, is some sort of magic elixir that the Rockefellers and the Kennedys and the, <laughs> what they the Montagues, uh, all of them used it, right? Yes. Back to back yeah. to Victorian times. This is how and the wealthy. So life insurance, what happens? Life insurance, strong lobbying. They, they've been able to maintain some tax benefits. And basically, money invested in a whole life insurance, as long as you follow 
there's certain guidelines you still have to follow. You can't throw too much cash in at once. But if, if you follow the guidelines, the money uh, grows tax-deferred internally, and then you can borrow out your earnings without paying any taxes on it. Yeah, you take out your basis first, and then you borrow your out original your investment. Yeah. You can take out your original investment first, and then that earnings you can borrow out, all theoretically. But the challenge is, I mean, the question I would ask your friend is, where does she think the insurance company is investing their money? Where, do, where does that money go? Right. They have, they have to be gaining somehow. Right. Yeah, well, Benjamin, and they, they live in the same world we live in, right? So they have the same, exactly. I mean. Actually, and their portfolios on whole life policies are mostly bond and real estate. So, Which are very low. Right? So my guess is that she wasn't going to get the $3,500 a month now. She was going to get the $3,500 a month in 20 years from now. She's not going to earn 10 to 12%. And it might be in a variable. It might Even be then. a variable life. That's why he's quoting does, the 10 does, to 12%. If she needs life insurance, have her buy some inexpensive term life insurance policy. Do not buy two. But do not. The worst thing, this would be terrible for her. Terrible. And she can't reverse it. Terrible. That is exactly why I called. I've never seen it. Here's the thing. Here's the I have never seen it actually work out the way they, these life insurance salesmen talk. I've seen people that are that have been older that have had phantom income they've had to report because of the, what's happened with an insurance policy that's that's has lapsed because because they've borrowed money out of it. I've seen people most oftentimes people put money in their life changes. Something changed. They realize it doesn't work out quite like they, they thought it was going to like someone sold it to them. They want to get out and they've got massive surrender charges, massive. And I would ask also what the commission would be to the broker agent who's selling this thing. Yep. I'm writing. What is the commission? Ask her to have a put in writing. The guy's going to squirrel scream. So, what your friend really needs is probably a good financial plan. That's what she really needs. She's looking for she's looking yeah, for product. Yeah, I mean, and my guess is she that, might be looking for someone to give her an answer that she wants to hear. That could she be might true. have talked to lots of people that have been really. If she has two hundred thousand dollars laying around, it might be one of the best things for her is to pay down her debt. Most certainly, increase her contributions to her Roth IRA, IRA. I would say the day. vast majority of people who, particularly if you inherit money or something like that, pay down debt. It's not easy being an investor. It's really not easy being an investor because one, you've got to be able to distinguish between um, someone trying to sell you crap, you know, <laughs> garbage, garbage, and what's real out there. Then you have to have the patience when things aren't going well to stick with the original plan. And then when things look horrible, like when a pandemic hits and the markets fall. 40% or when there's a financial crisis, you have to have the thick enough skin not to be frightened and, and sell out at the wrong times. It is very challenging being an, an investor. It's not easy, which is one of the reasons why we, it's like if you come in some cash, sometimes your best investment is just paying off some debt that you have. Yeah. What was the source of the money? Um, it is it, the source of the money had been um, um, a termination, a, a divorce. Okay. Oh gosh. Well, this is yeah. the worst thing she can oh, my. do. And here the problem is, Benjamin, she's looking for a solution to her need, right? Yeah. She needs thirty five hundred bucks a month. This guy said he could do it. It can't it can't be done. It can't be done. It's not gonna get twenty one percent. And the fact is she might not two hundred thousand is not gonna go very far. She might not find a solution to her need. And it's not at least not with an in investment. She just there's not there might be enough to cover her for a few months when she tries to figure out how to move forward with her life. But it's it's not going to be enough to generate anywhere close to the kind of income she's getting. And I've often said that the world would be better off without whole life insurance, not because it doesn't it, it is not appropriate sometimes, but because it's missold and misused like this. And for the life of me, I don't understand why there's companies out there that um, would take even sell someone a policy like this. But you know, you mean for the life of you, why they would? It's a big commission. There's huge margins in it. I know. Uh, continuing on here, let's talk with Bob. Bob, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hello. Hello, Bob. Uh, Scott and Pat, right? Yes, yeah, sir. That's it. Called the- hey, I got a question for you. Um, just read in the newspaper. I shouldn't say just read, but a few weeks ago there was a uh, 
newspaper article that basically said that the uh, insurance companies were going to be paying out two billion plus in um, in claims associated to the unrest we've had throughout the uh, U.S. Uh-huh. And now, on top of that, I'm of course reading of all the fires and uh, homes and buildings that have gone up in California and probably other parts of the uh, nation as well. So question for you is that um, uh, annuities, uh, how safe are these annuities, uh, which I understand are pretty much backed or issued by insurance companies? And what kind of impact is that going to have on the payouts of these uh, annuities? Uh, it had should have little to no impact on them whatsoever. Okay. I mean, the, the insurance so, companies have uh, quite a bit in reserves. Um, I think the risks for insurance companies is the fact that insurance p- premiums on all products are going up, even products that don't relate to that. Things like life insurance and an auto, even because the insurance companies, they can't make as much on their reserves as they used to. They live in the same world that we do, right? Interest rates are so low. That that has been... But that isn't as a result of any... Um, That's, I see, the bigger risk, though. Yeah, but that, that isn't a result of any public unrest or uh, the fires. That has to do with just the fact that the yields on the reserves are so incredibly low, which will affect the annuities, which will absolutely affect the yields on the annuities because they... they what? And you're talking about fixed annuities, correct, Bob? Correct. Okay. Do you have so, money in annuity contracts, or do you receive in a monthly pen- monthly income from an annuity company? Or uh, no. Um, to be quite honest, I, I read your articles, uh-huh. and in the past, uh, you have always uh, swayed away from purchasing annuities because okay. of the uh, expensive. <laughs> uh, and you, you trying to give me some some <laughs> more fuel behind that argument? <clears throat> So, uh, no, I, I, I read what you publish. Okay. I read it. I listened. And uh, so then my concern, of course, is of other people that have purchased these annuities. Okay. And, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing ads on TV. I've yeah. got friends that are yeah. always trying to sell me these things. And I've always, yeah. to this point, said well, no. So they are ba- they, they There's no FDIC limit like there is for, with banks. So there's the, the federal government does not have some program to backstop. There are state right. programs where they, the insurance companies all pool together and share in some risk in uh, state programs, but their limits of what, uh, 250000 per yes. contract, and, and something like that? So what happens is when you purchase an annuity, um, if not you, Bob, but- I mean, if, if the when, insurance companies go bankrupt, it's a real problem. That's a real- Remember back to um, First Executive Life, was the first executive, yeah, executive life, executive life, but they was that was chock full of high yield, junk bonds, yeah, back junk in the day. bonds. That um, was a- um, so what happens is, um, insurance companies are much more regulated than they were thirty and forty years ago. So what happens is, if you give a hundred thousand dollars to an insurance company, they turn around and invest it, and what they invest it in is typically is in. Uh, corporate, high-grade corporate or U.S. government bonds. That's typically what they invest in. And they essentially take a spread or a little bit of money off of what the bonds are yielding and what they're paying you, and that's what they will call their profit. Well, the only thing an annuity is doing from you for you as a consumer is protecting you from the visibility of that bond going up and down on a daily basis or going bankrupt on a particular bond. So an insurance company, if you will, an annuity, if you think about this, if it has a 10-year surrender charge on it, I buy $100,000, what do they do? They go out and buy these bonds for 10 years that will, they invest it. What what have they done is they essentially bought a mutual fund that's kind of blinded to me because I can't see the volatility on a day-to-day basis and I can't get my money out without a penalty. That's about it. So what you're seeing for is what you're seeing is index annuities. Is the, there's a lot of advertising on that. You're going to see index annuities. The benefits go get much, 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 much worse, much worse. Um, and the, the costs go up significantly in index annuities for two reasons. One that Scott just spoke of is that the cost that the, 
the yields internally on the bonds are going down. And with the instruments or options they use inside of those annuities um, in the market to give you quasi-index returns, quasi-index returns are going to go up in cost. And that's a, a, a normal part of where we are in this market cycle. So I appreciate the fact that you don't own an annuity. I appreciate the fact that you actually called and asked us the question, are insurance going to go, companies going to go bankrupt? It's highly unlikely that the companies that are issuing annuities are going to go bankrupt, but the products still remain garbage. So I appreciate the call. Um, yeah. All right. Still yeah. not, still, so the, still not. So uh, the, the um, claims that they pay out then will have no bearing upon them. Well, I, I, I don't, they're not paying out to, they, 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 they're, so they're not going to be insolvent based upon um, that. Because what happens is that big insurance companies that are actually in that marketplace, Typically, there's kind of a line between those two divisions inside of that, um, of that company. And they have reinsurance behind them for property and casualty mm. claims. Um, they insure one you. another. Yeah. And so even what the reinsurance companies actually reinsure one another and insurance companies will reinsure each other. So it, what they're trying to do is spread risk as far wide as they can. Um, you know, and that cuts into the more risk they retain. Uh, the more profit they typically will make over short periods of time, but the more volatility it actually puts into their uh, financial stability. So mm, yeah. appreciate the call. Yeah, wish you well, Bob. And that is nothing gets better than a good insurance discussion, <laughs> does it, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> and now, boys and girls, <laughs> let's talk about liability insurance. And finally, we're in Reading talking with Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah, hi, Pat and Scott. How are you doing today? Good, Jeff. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm getting ready to transition into my non-work phase of my life, and I just kind of wanted to run some numbers by you to get your opinion. Sure. Long-time listener, all the way back in the 90s, so I really oh, value Thank you guys' opinion. Thank all you. right, fire away. Yeah, I'm 55. I have a pension. My house will be paid off in five years. I'm single, no children. Um, I plan on leaving service from my school district at the end of January and basically just living on pension income and I have a 403B7 through the school district through Vanguard. How much is that? And I have an HSA with 36000 in there and I have a brokerage account with about 16000 in there. And how much money is in the 403B? Yeah, uh, right now, depending on the stock market, it has about 480000 And are you planning on taking uh, income from your 401k to help supplement income of your needs, or is your pension going to be enough for you? Uh, my 403b, I don't plan on taking anything from that because you have to be age 59 and uh, a half. I know they have that nope, equal five-year period that, distribution, but I can live comfortably. Well, actually, that doesn't income. that doesn't that doesn't apply to your 403b. So you could get at it if you're 55 or older in the year in which you separate from service. But let's. So, how much is in your brokerage account? About sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand, and how much money do you have in the bank? Right now, out of that brokerage account, I have about 9000 in liquid. Okay. And and how much do you owe in your home? You said you're going to pay it off in five years. What do you owe? Yeah. Right now, I'm one of those weirdos. I have an amortization schedule on my refrigerator, and uh -huh. I mark it off each month. Uh-huh. Um, I'm at 50000 right now. Okay. And how much will your pension be? Um, $3,100 before tax. And what did you earn last year? Um, about 44, 43, 43,000 a year. So I'm not a high income earner. Plus your pension is replacing. Holy it. smokes. You did awesome. And you're not one of those weirdos that keeps an amortization table <laughs> on your refrigerator. You are. I am one of those weirdos. That have, does. No, you're, you're brilliant. Have you called our show before? Yeah, in the past. I'm a long-time listener. Okay. I mean, I've gleaned so much valuable information from your organization over I, the years. I, so. I, for whatever remember, I, I remember this guy in Reading calling, and I was impressed by the fact that he was didn't make a lot of money but was a great saver. Um, I like your plan. Yeah, because yeah, your pension's – I mean, but you're not – considering what's coming out of your paycheck today – it's not going to be coming out of the paycheck. Your pension is going to replace the vast majority of your income. I, lo I love your plan. I love it. 
So what's your question for us? Or like, I, I just wanted to make sure I have all my ducks in a row yeah. before I push off. Yeah, you're uh, good. No, no, yeah. The, here's my only thing that I would worry about with you is how you're going to fill your day. Well, I'd like to hopefully provide free financial education to people because it's very lacking in our country regardless <laughs> okay. of your social economic level. I think that that's actually, you know something? Um, so uh, Dave Ramsey, who has a show that provides financial education, has programs where he teaches teachers how to teach um, yeah. the Financial Peace University. And I bet if you looked around, there's one up in um, – at a church near you in uh, Reading. And yeah, I th- I'd like to do that because in our country, I think people really need it. Yeah. yeah. Now you, but financially, you're 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 great. And what's and your? And by the way, okay. if you're over fifty five when you retire, fifty five or older, right. you can take money from that four hundred three b seven. You do not have to wait till fifty nine and a half. Fifty nine and a half applies to IRAs, or if you retire before age fifty five. So what happens is on that 403B, in fact, Scott, I don't even think the 55 rule applies anymore on a 403B. Um, I think that's just a 401K, but don't quote me on that. Do not quote me. Um, But we know 55 or older, you can take the money out of the 403B without penalty. Once you retire. Once you retire. If you move it into an IRA... Then that's when the series of uh, yeah the subs- five year or it's locked to fifty nine and a half well, yeah so by leaving one, it in one that last f- question before I leave you sure. um, I plan on funding my HSA from now till age sixty five yep and what I did this year was is I moved to a high deductible because the bronze plan I was on at my school district wasn't HSA compatible so I moved up uh-huh. and I've fully funded it for this year. Even though I didn't have coverage in January, February, March, April, or May, uh-huh. there's a section in there where it says if you have coverage by December 1st of that year, you can go back. So my plan is to try to fully fund the HSA, yep. not necessarily for the tax benefits, but just for money in the yeah. future yep. to try to mitigate I the maximize mine. Cost. Yep, yep, yep. What's right. the interest rate on your All mortgage? Right. Thank you very wait, much, wait, wait, Jeff, I just Jeff. wanted to have confirmation. Jeff, what's the interest rate on your mortgage? Um, I have it on a 10-year, and it's 2.39. Ah, wow. Dang it, wow. you're brilliant. You are smart. <laughs> I'm thinking Holy smokes. I'm thinking you're asking him. You know that. I'm thinking you, you yeah, already I knew, knew the, the answer. answer. Yeah. I knew this guy. He wasn't going to be, well, I haven't God, refinanced in 12 it. years. Uh, should I? <laughs> you knew he I'm knew paying 8.5%. Is that hot? <laughs> no, no, he, this guy, there wasn't a, it was not a single thing wrong. Not a single thing, Jeff. Not a single thing. You could not poke a hole in any of this, my friend. Congratulations. Well, hey, we are out of time. It's been great being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.